0: Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Vemafidon. Thanks for tuning in. Puerto Rican veterans were honored last week in the South End in a powerful ceremony recognizing their sacrifice and valor.
1: Private First Class Demcio
2: Rivera, Cabo Rojo, Puerto Rico, posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, Korean
3: War.
0: On Friday, the names of eight Puerto Rican veterans who posthumously received the U.S. Medal of Honor or set in stone at the Puerto Rican Veterans Day celebration. The highest award for military valor in action, the U.S. Medal of Honor has been awarded to nine Puerto Ricans to date. Puerto Ricans have served in every war since World War I, and more than 15,000 Puerto Ricans in Boston have veteran status, according to the most recent U.S. Census.
1: I think it's important to, be, to let people know that per capita, Puerto Rico had more deaths and more uh, wounded men and women than any other state. And we continue to serve our nation. Uh, you know, the, the, I think that we understand that freedom is definitely not free. So that if, you're, you know, if you serve the country and if you're enjoying your freedom, definitely, definitely, you should thank a veteran.
0: With hands over their hearts, they took a moment to take pride in their culture and their country.
1: We fought in every single war, Vietnam War. We're, we're proud to be part of this country and we're proud to serve. And many of us, you know, many have made the ultimate sacrifice, like many others.
0: And the Boston community is truly grateful for their sacrifice. Jamaica Plains music scene lost a gifted member of their community in J Scott Henderson residents paid tribute to the local musician with a funk-filled memorial concert at spontaneous celebrations over the weekend
3: I'm going up I'm going up to be
0: on Saturday, peace and joy filled the room as loved ones and friends gathered to pay tribute to beloved local musician, Jay Scott Henderson. Jay was the founding member and lead guitarist of Jamaica Plain-based blues rock band, Red House.
1: What drew people to Jay was not only just his charm, uh, but it was also his, uh, his way of talking to people. He had transformed his life into being a loving, compassionate person. And that he gave to everybody uh, that he met regardless. And so he attracted a lot of friends because of his heart, because of his understanding of human nature and his forgiveness for himself and for anybody else.
0: Red House excited Boston with their fusion of funk, rock and blues since the mid 1980s. And Jay's passion for music shone through in their many performances at Green Street Station in Jamaica Plain. Jay Scott Henderson was more than just a great musician. He was a unique human being. I'd never met anybody as open as Jay was. He had an eclectic choice of music and he had an eclectic choice of friends. Jay was the kind of person that when you spoke with him, you felt like you were the only person on the planet. He gave you his undivided attention and also you felt obligated to give Jay yours. Jay's kind heart and loving spirit was magnetic and his friends and family will miss his gracious presence. It was only fitting that they honored his memory with the concert.
2: Jay's smile was so magnetic, and his energy, he was more concerned, even while he was fighting cancer and battling cancer, he was more concerned about his family and friends. And being a phenomenal musician is one thing, being a black man in rock and roll is another thing, but also as um, just a human being that really cared for his family and cared for his friends. And it showed through his music and it showed through his heart and it
0: showed through the way he talked to everyone. Jay passed away on September 4th while battling cancer, but his compassionate energy lives on through his loved ones and music. Community groups, Power Health Tour, and Organized Youth, in collaboration with the Mayor's Office of Civic Organizing, came together to host the annual Community Give Back Day in Roxbury. Vendors gave out everything from groceries to dental kits. BNN reporter Kiara Smith was there at the Bruce C. Bowling Municipal Building for the event last Saturday. Groceries, t-shirts, toiletries,
2: and food are just a few of the items that Power Health Tour sponsors gave to Roxbury residents for its annual Community Give Back Day event. Charles Sanderson of Power Health Tour says Community Give Back Day brings in more than 400 people every year.
1: We do this across the country and it's important to us to give uh, in the areas that usually don't receive the type of support that we think they deserve. It's people that I've seen uh, come here for six years straight and they thank us and they know us. So clearly we have an impact.
2: The First come first serve event also gave out COVID tests, healthcare information and nutrition guides. People signed up for nutrition services to improve their diets and healthy eating budgets. Nicholas Jett is a Roxbury resident.
1: I feel like this is a good opportunity for people that in need that needs help and they're looking out and that's love that's what the community the black community need.
2: Dr. Tyler Sanslow from Boston District Dental Society is a longtime volunteer.
0: It's a great way to get back to the community we got 600 oral health kits uh, that we're giving back um, as people come through it's a great way to be involved in the community.
2: Rochelle Mills a manager for Stop & Shop says they have everything from collard greens to onions and apples.
0: Stop and Shop likes to participate in um, events for the community. And so we were here to provide um, staples for the holidays, especially because Thanksgiving is coming up and Christmas. Stop and Shop says they're
2: providing enough food for over 350 families. Reporting for BUTV, I'm Kiara Smith.
0: Boston Public Schools are getting an upgrade thanks to Boston School Fund's new program, PEAK, which will improve education quality and resources for teachers. The future shined even brighter Wednesday morning for BPS students. In Roxbury, educators and leaders from the Boston Schools Fund came together at the Rafael Hernandez School to celebrate the start of their new grant program, partnering with educators to accelerate knowledge, or PEAK, The program strives to improve academic outcomes for historically underserved students.
2: It's investing in our teachers and it's investing in evidence-based, high-quality curriculum. So for a student walking through the doors of the Hernandez, which is a dual language school, it's the strong combination of equitable literacy along with bilingual education. And that, for a student, holds all the promise
0: in the world. The PEAK program will invest $2.3 million over the next three years to conduct teacher training programs, implement high-quality instructional materials, and set aligned progress goals for student outcomes and instructional practice. Boston Schools Fund's uh, partnership money is going into bringing a team of instructional coaches at the building together with an experienced dual-language principal who's going to help us secure linguistic equity in classrooms through training, through PD and through consistent look at data so that we actually deliver in our classrooms what kids need in order to achieve. Boston Schools Fund plans to expand with two additional schools over the next three years. I think what's really important here is that if we're really going to give all of our students what they need and supports for their families as well, it's going to take a lot of collaboration and partnership and so
2: that's what's really important this morning. It's going to take, you know, not just the city, not just the school
0: district, Uh, it's going to take nonprofits and philanthropic partners as well to really get everything that we need for our students and their families in our community. In Chelsea, residents are fed up with their property managers, harsh rent increases, and unhealthy living conditions. Housing just organization, City Life, Vida Urbana, stood with Chelsea's families and low-income tenants to demand better. Chelsea residents of buildings owned by landlord Groma Properties rallied for fair prices and safe living conditions early Thursday morning. For two years, calls from the Clark Ave Tenant Association to fix the building's poor conditions have fallen on deaf ears, and it's compromising renters' dignity and health.
2: They have families living with lead, asbestos. are now doing asbestos um, removal in the building, but it's leaving their property covered in asbestos dust, and we know that that causes lung cancer. The building also has a series of other issues, including leaks, um, faulty heating that doesn't work, especially when it should during these colder months. It should be, that should be considered criminal. There's rats in the building. There is cockroaches. Really anything that you shouldn't be living with, that's, that's what you're dealing with in the building. And it's, it's horrible. It's horrible that you know people have kids living in the building and, and there's families there and that this is what they're doing, raising the rent when they shouldn't be because they're not even taking care of the situations that are at hand.
0: Despite failing to address these problems, Groma Properties has increased rent by $400 a month and is forcing tenants to pay $7,200 to break their lease.
2: Families have literally leaks coming out of their bathrooms where their children were too scared to even use the toilet because there was water
0: falling on them without a ceiling, right? It's despicable for this big corporate Landlord like grow more properties that has buildings all over the greater Boston area to raise rent. That's why we need rent control right to give tenants the, the, the power to give tenants the ability to to seek building repairs without the fear of, of their rents being like incredibly raised. Affording housing and heat is a concern for many households in this unstable economy. We invited Sharon Scott Chandler, president and CEO of ABCD, Action for Boston Community Development, to discuss the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program, which is available to Boston residents. Here's our conversation. So We are officially in fall. It is getting colder every day and Boston families will be using the heat more and more as it gets colder, so we are expecting the price for heating to drastically increase as the winter months approach. Can you talk about why that is?
3: Well, I think as we we all can see in in our basic needs and necessities, uh, everything has has gone up. Uh, inflation, the cost of living for for all things, and of course, um, you know, there's international factors. There's production factors. There's the end of the uh, or coming out of the pandemic. So um, there's just sort of a variety of uh, things coming together in the worst way uh, that is um, increasing prices for heating costs, no matter what that is, whether that's oil or gas or electric or or kerosene or propane, um, all of those Um, in our experience are are rising.
0: And to help out with these rising costs, we do have the LIHEAP program. Can you tell us a little bit about what LIHEAP is? uh, Who's eligible for the program and what is the agency uh, providing it?
3: Yeah, so the LIHEAP program is the Low Income Energy Assistance Program and it is initially a a federal program that comes to the state um, and is administered by organizations across uh, Massachusetts and the country, but uh, across Massachusetts and, and ABCD is the um, LIHEAP program uh, operator for the greater Boston area. And so it's really a program geared to help people um, pay heating heating costs in our region. In, in some parts of the country, there's some cooling uh, supports. But for us in New England, um, November 1 is the kickoff of the program and uh, renters or homeowners, who qualify, it's, it is an income eligible program. So, for example, um, families who are 60% below 60% of the state median income, uh, which is about 81000 81, for family of four, uh, they would be li- eligible for some help. Uh, the most help, and it's a sliding scale of how much. Uh, a household can receive, but it's up to $1,600. So the maximum would really fall, that's the maximum would really fall for those um, who are at 100% of the federal poverty guidelines. So that's about 26 plus $1,000 for a family of four. So those are uh, those folks most in need get the highest benefit amount, but up to that 81,000 people are eligible for some support. So that's that is what we're doing outreach every day for now to, to um, let people know that they can get some support during the season. And some people think they're not eligible, but it is a program that uh, we, we try to get the word out for.
0: All right, thank you. And you stated it starts November 1st. How
3: long does it run? So it runs through April. So we will be taking applications and, um, and, and giving people assistance through April.
0: And for that sixteen hundred maximum that you mentioned, is there a limit to how many times a family can apply, as long as you don't hit the sixteen hundred?
3: Well, we actually, you know, you sort of maintain, um, you know, that connection once you have the application in, and uh, if at first you're only receiving, you know, four hundred for a bill or what, or the oil delivery, whatever it is, uh, yes, you you can keep getting that support throughout the winter season up to the maximum amount that you're allowed based on income. Wonderful. And what sources of heat will be covered? Oh, every source of heat. So as I mentioned, you know, oil, gas, electric, kerosene, propane, uh, wood. Um, no, it does not matter the type of heat that you have or the source of heat that you have, electric, anything. Uh, we will the program is, you're still eligible for the program.
0: Wonderful. And how can eligible residents apply?
3: So um, there's a variety of um, ways to to apply. You can, one of the best ways to kind of find out if you're eligible without calling, you can also call our offices, but is to go on the website, to so go on um, our website. Uh, but also the you can apply online. You can apply in person by appointment at any one of our uh, local sites um, and downtown. You can um, call our offices, um, but the best like I said, the best way to start is if you have access to a computer is to go online and you'll, you'll be able to get more information about it. You'll be able to see whether or not you fall into that income. You'll be able to see what kind of documentation you need. Uh, so it's, it's, it's all there.
0: I love it. And for our residents who do apply, how soon can they expect the financial assistance once they, they do put in an application?
3: It's hard to say it, it, you know, because the application process does require paperwork, et cetera. Um, And so it kind of depends on how that goes through, but we pay the the vendor directly. So we pay, you know, the utility company, the oil dealer. um, And so that process, uh, you know, can take can take a short amount of time it can sometimes take longer if we don't have all the documentation but we do it as quickly as possible especially for those who again if someone has a no heat situation um, they don't have oil in their tank and there are those emergencies then they're obviously prioritized um, but we also work with the the energy uh, dealer or supplier um, to, uh, to let them know that you know this household is going to be receiving assistance and so therefore um, you know that that can ease things for people.
0: Thomas Farrington founded the Prostate Health Education Network or FEN in 2003 after treatment for prostate cancer and losing his father and both grandfathers to the disease. Fenn partners with hundreds of churches across the country to bring educational materials and resources to support survivors and their loved ones. He's a trustee of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thomas shares the need for early testing and Fenn's upcoming rally in Roxbury this Saturday. Listen in on our discussion. Definitely a very important conversation. I'd love to start with the mission of FEN and how long you've been part of the Boston community and how you've been engaging with the community.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I founded FEN in 2003. Uh, I am a uh, 22-year prostate cancer survivor. And after facing prostate cancer and realizing how little I knew uh, when making decisions about treatments, uh, and managing survivorship, I saw a need to uh, reach out to uh, to men and, uh, and and to impart the knowledge that I had learned. So uh, so I wrote a book uh, after one year of treatment called Battling the Killer with their release released it in 2001. That set me on a route of speaking out about prostate cancer and the need for uh, uh, awareness and education. And then 2003, I founded the Prostate Health Education Network just to do that. Our mission is to uh, uh, eliminate the African-American prostate cancer disparity. Uh, we have the largest uh, disparity with the prostate cancer. We have an incident rate, this is black man, more uh, more than seven percent higher than white men and all other men. And we have a death rate that is more than twice that. Of men of all other racial and ethnic groups. This is the largest racial disparity for any type of major cancer uh, impacting men or women. Thomas, you were
0: just talking about the health disparities when it comes to prostate cancer. One out of six black men in their lifetime will be diagnosed with this cancer. What are some of the reasons behind uh, this disparity in the races?
1: Well, that's a good question. You know, researchers have uh, have dealt with that questions uh uh for for many years uh but you know we think certainly there are some biological differences uh there are genetic uh differences there that really make uh, black men more uh at risk for the disease so when you talk about why the higher incidence uh that is uh, one of the key reasons for that uh, People look at lifestyle to talk about lifestyle as a risk factor, uh, such as nutrition. That there have been studies uh, in that area, but really, uh, you know, uh, good nutrition and good lifestyle uh, play a part, and and good healthy life. So we think that's a, a reason, but no very specific reasons there that that have been pointed out. So uh, so when you come to prostate cancer and the high risk and the reason for men. Uh, being diagnosed at, at such a high rate, uh, we don't have the, all the answers. But we do know <clears throat> that men who are diagnosed at an earlier stage uh, have a, a longer survival than men who are diagnosed at a later stage. So our emphasis is really on making sure that the message is out about the need for early detection screening uh, so that uh, if you're going to be diagnosed with prostate cancer, uh, then you, you catch it early.
0: Great, and in regard to some of the efforts that are being made by the organization, this Saturday, November 19th, Fen is holding the rally against prostate cancer at 12th Baptist Church in Roxbury from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Can you talk about what attendees can expect from this event?
1: Absolutely. Uh, we, this rally really brings together uh, leaders of the community, uh, we're bringing together men who are, are at risk, at high risk, and all black men at high risk for prostate cancer. And we're also bringing together uh, prostate cancer survivors and doctors. And uh, we are accomplishing two important objectives here. One is to provide free prostate cancer PSA tests. And uh, I mentioned the importance of early detection screening to save lives. So we're providing free. PSA early Detection Screen at 12 Baptists on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We want to encourage all who are high-risk prostate cancer. Again, all black men at high risk. And if you're over the age of 40, if you're 40 and above, you need to know your PSA number. You need to know that if you don't have your PSA number and you have been tested, you need to come out and take advantage of this free testing. Uh, now, the other thing that we'll focus on is education. Uh, and, and because it's important, you know, in fact, we believe that knowledge is the best defense against prostate cancer. So we have uh, educational sessions that will focus on. Early detection.
0: And talking about some of the doctors and the specialists, uh, there is a collaboration that FENIS has had with Dana-Farber. Can you talk a little bit about um, what that partnership has been and how the two of you have spread awareness in the community?
1: Yes, uh, Dana-Farber has supported FEN since our very founding in 2003. And, uh, and, and over the many years working with Dana-Farber, we have hosted monthly meetings where we uh, invite uh, survivors and we invite men who are newly diagnosed with prostate cancer to come in and to, uh, to get information again, educational information about uh, uh, managing prostate cancer.
0: And in addition to these monthly meetings, are there other programs that FEN offers to the community?
1: Absolutely. We do uh, doing now one of our largest programs, our disparator Rally in Boston, uh, this is be our 18th city uh, since uh, 21, and uh, so this is an ongoing program. And we have our monthly uh, education webinars that are online. Uh, we have uh, uh, we FIN is a national organization, so we have uh, we have our ambassadors uh, and cities across the country, uh, and they are always active in local programs.
0: All right. And as a prostate cancer survivor yourself, uh, I would love to hear about what you learned in the process of your journey and what you would like to impart to um, to men who might be facing this cancer.
1: Absolutely. I am a uh, 22, going on 23-year prostate cancer survivor. And uh, what I've learned Mm -hmm. is that what I brought up earlier is that knowledge is the best defense against prostate cancer. During my journey, I have faced uh, uh, challenges all along and, uh, and and through understanding what my options are, uh, I have been able to uh, survive as a, uh, over this time in relatively good health. So I have not had any major side effects from prostate cancer, which is really indeed a blessing. Uh, prostate cancer is a complicated disease and a disease that does require uh, some uh, understanding that men have to commit to their health. If you process a cancer survivor, you just can't assume things are going to work out for me because uh, I've had treatment. I hear some men say, hey, uh, I'm a survivor. I have surgery. I got it all out. Now I'm cancer free. Not necessarily so. And uh, because uh, cancer, I've seen many men with surgery uh, that uh, that have a, a recurrence. And one of the key things is that whatever treatment that you, you have, ongoing testing is important because finding a recurrence early is as important as finding prostate cancer early initially. And so, uh, and so men can't just hang up, uh, you know, say, hey, I've been through it and I've finished. Uh, I still to this day, uh, after 22 years, get a PSA test every six months. Because I want to know, uh, uh, am I having a progression uh, with with cancer, and and I've had progressions over the years, and but because of my following my numbers, I know how to handle those, and uh, because if you do have a progression, and you catch that as a light stage, you know you uh, you you put yourself at very high risk.
0: Mm. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, and for men or women who want to learn more about the organization or get involved, how can they do so?
1: Well, uh, you can go to rapcancer.org. That's R A P cancer.org. That R A P stands for Rally Against Prostate Cancer. Uh, and I do want to say this about uh, uh, women. We invite women to come to our session on Saturday. Uh, we invite uh, women to come to our monthly meetings at Dana Farber, and we have a number of women that show up. Uh, when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, you know, I sit here as a as a leader as a leader in this area, but it was my wife who made me go get a PSA test mm-hmm. uh, that uh, where I was uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, it was my sister who pushed me to learn more once I was diagnosed and not just stop with what the doctor had recommended. So women are important. You know, uh, you know, men are you know, not not as forceful as women when it comes to health. Uh, if we don't have a pain, we think we're okay. And uh, so I really encourage the women to take care of the men that they love by uh, understanding the prostate health, making sure they have a PSA test, and following them if they are survivors. We need your support. I don't know how I would have ever made it without the women in my life.
0: Mm. Men and women both having big parts to play in prostate cancer. Right. Thomas Farrington, President and CEO of the Prostate Education Health Network, thank you so much for your time today and really appreciate your your insight.
1: Thank, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in, Boston. As a reminder, you can stream or watch the news on demand at bnnmedia.org. Each episode will be rebroadcast at 9:30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, Astound Channel 15, and FiOS Channel 2161. And make sure to check out our BNN HD Xfinity Channel 1072. Due to the holiday next week, there will be no new broadcasts on Friday, November 25th. But we want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving from all of us at BNN News. And we are so grateful for you. For BNN News, I'm Faith Dimefadon. I'll see you December 2nd.